Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations. We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse, the Fifth Column. Hey, greetings, greetings, welcome to the Fifth Column Podcast. We're back. We're back. We're doing the thing. Everything is crazy. I'm Camille Foster. I work at Freethink. I'm Leah and Cohen's dad, and I haven't shaven or done anything in a while. And I'm also not. Sleeping. Did you just reveal the name? Oh yeah. Yeah, we've been. I've been sitting on the name. Yeah, we've been yeah. Sitting on the name. Cohen, yeah. Cohen Anthony Thoreau Foster. All my kids have four names. In fact, everyone Sammy in my Davis house Jr. has four names. <laughs> Um, and it's Cohen, baby. Yeah. And it's Cohen, like spelt like the Cohen brothers, which there's, there's, there's a whole thing going on, but whatever. I'm delighted to be here. I'm delighted to be joined by other people who are also not sleeping for different reasons. Uh, Matt Welch is just, he's just haunted by things. Um, and Michael Moynihan <laughs> is in Europe, just got back from a place where he's been doing some reportage. Mm-hmm. And what time is it there? Moynihan? Well, I was in Ukraine earlier where it's 3.30 in the morning and now it's 2.30 in the morning. So, oh, um, shit. You and I got up, I think, at 6. Oh, you're fine then. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I look, I haven't showered in like four or five days. I can't remember. I just, I don't want to take hot water away from the good people of Ukraine. So, yeah, <laughs> no one had. We were like eight of us, I think eight of us to a, on like, you know, mattresses and couches and and some lovely guy's apartment so thank you oleg you're the best who told me today and oleg i don't know what you're doing what you tell me today he's <laughs> at some point he says not my kind of music they were playing some fucking whatever billy eilish or something he's like you know I, i'm i'm big you know pixies come on pilgrim um i'm very good beat happening uh care records and i'm like what the fuck and he just he literally looks like a like a priest and i'm like are you just literally telling me about the pixies he's like yes we would uh, after the soviet times get cassette tapes they were bootlegged in uh, moscow come to us and we would listen to pixies <laughs> so, <laughs> so oleg's the best so yeah he People are really nice and 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 put us um, up in in Lviv on his his couch and um, and everyone's been great so so that's where I've been. Uh, are there guidelines of what we can't ask you about, Mr. Moynihan? Because you sent well, us pictures no, no, that were kind of interesting and yeah, well, I'm not going to post those online. Yeah. <laughs> those ones. Yeah. Um, well, no, I mean the only things I would just say that we're doing a story, so I save the surprises for for the story, but. Um, you know, I'll just give the kind of broad outlines of the story is that, you know, rather than doing something of the, the sort of, I tried not to post anything just because of like the disgusting, narcissistic, Evelyn Waugh scoop impressions of journalism that some people are doing there, not even close to all of them, mm-hmm. but a few in particular um, who make everything about them. But um, but yeah, we're doing a story. It's a little different. It's a little kind of a, a bigger picture thing about the kind of reaction of former Soviet states. Um, if you've been occupied by the Soviets, what do you do in a situation like this? And um, the answer to that question, in a lot of cases, you come and fight. And um, I met some people um, who were fighting, and we went out to some bases, and we were supposed to go to a base um, yesterday morning. Uh, but the Ministry of Defense told us we couldn't come because the previous night it was destroyed by 35 uh, rockets. Uh, oh, yeah, wow. we read about that on the news. So that's the one that you were going to? Yeah, that was the one we were going to in the morning. And um, so we were trying to get out there still. And um, we went over to the unit who we were with that 
some of the guys here, a lot of foreign fighters there, some Americans were there. And um, the Polish guy who told me that they had lost nine in their unit and I think 35 overall. And uh, yeah, so that was pretty horrible because I just, they're just really lovely guys. This, he gave me this, this, this motherfucker is the funniest because the Polish guy gave me this uh, very ironic patch that he has on his thing that just says, I come in peace. And he says, yes, that's when they look their face off. And I was like, all right. <laughs> they're crazy. But, um, but yeah, so we've met a lot of really, really interesting people in that kind of, it's not a typical like adventurism story, like a war adventurism story in the sense that like I play Call of Duty. And, and a word to those people as, one of the Georgian fighters told me, he's like, don't come. We don't want you unless you have combat experience because you hurt our units. You actually make them more difficult. And they do. Uh, they were very, very specific about this. I don't know how true it is, but that they do two things um, before the, they let you anywhere near or tell you the location of their camp um, is that um, that you are not an extremist um, of the far right in particular. Um, but they also said, we don't want far left either. I was like, I don't think that's going to be a problem. Um, <laughs> Keith Olbermann's not going to come out there. Yeah. And well, why y'all ain't got no black people in your unit? <laughs> I think, I think we need to do some well, DEI interventions here. Well, I'll, t I'll tell you what, this unit, this unit was more multicultural than any fucking Brooklyn coffee shop. I'll tell you that there was, uh, there were, um, Asian people from Western countries that speak English. It was a pretty, pretty dynamic and, and interesting place. But, um, but yeah, and they make sure that they have a military experience. You can come if you have um, um, medical experience too. They want that. Um, mm. And what they really, really need more than anything, and this is not a pitch for them, but if you take it as such, that's fine. They need body armor. Um, mm. There's none in Europe. They can't find it anywhere. Um, I talked to some people that can't source it anywhere around here. You need a license to get it in Poland, even if you do. Um, and the guy said to me, no plates. We got no plates. And all the guys had, had armor, but you know, they um, do interesting things in the battlefield. If somebody falls and they have a plate on, they make sure to take it off. If they can't use it, they shoot it up and you know try to destroy it. Um, mm. So yeah, they're 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 very thankful to the help that's coming from the West. But you know, there's a conversation that seems to be happening about no fly zones. Um, when I uh, check Twitter, um, it's the only conversation anyone has here, and they know mm. that you're not from they're like you have to close the skies the most you know this is i maybe i don't know if i will probably have this in the piece we were with some civilians that were training tonight we came over we about two hours north of the of lviv um uh this morning and came back and some of these guys called us up and said you know we're training some of the guys from the neighborhood who want to learn how to um, shoot uh, kalashnikovs learn how to throw grenades etc um in case they come we want to be ready um, we finished the interview. It's the last interview we were doing in the night, and, and everything had been three in the morning. Every night, the air raid sirens been three in the morning. Um, we finished at seven forty-five. I think seven forty-six. The air, air raid siren went off, and the guy, the guy had literally just said to me, "He's like, you got to close the skies," and then mm. it was bam like that, and then the air raid alarm went off. And you know, I think they get why that's a big thing, but I think when you live. You can't have a political debate about these things. This is people just like there's people being slaughtered every day from the skies. You got to stop this. And everybody has the same opinion. I'm not sure that this is true, but everybody has the same opinion. The second that happens, they're done. It's over for them. 
Um, and then as we were crossing the border tonight, which is a very involved uh, process, but um, much easier if you're an American, which is a very rare thing in Europe. This is one of these rare moments, like everyone's like, likes you. And I'm like, what the fuck, am I in Europe? I, has a very I, I keep Western... telling you, you were always in the wrong part of Europe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I like to play a place where everyone likes us. So. Yeah. Yeah. And you said a second ago that uh, I think you were saying the second that there is a no-fly zone instituted, they're done. Who's they? Who's that's done? What, that's what people think. I'm not oh, saying they, that I think that's true myself. They think, they think that the I, conflict yeah. is done, that the Russians can't do anything else. They think that there's no way for them to win. They don't think that there's a way to win them, for them to win now, but they don't want to see more people killed. Um, I mean, one of the most harrowing scenes, you know, is when coming back from somewhere outside of the city and um, we decided last night to stop at the train station and went up to the platform. And this is Lviv. And again, this is in Lviv. And uh -huh. there was a the last, last train coming out. Hmm towards Warsaw and, you know, we can go up to the platform because, well, more on that in a second because we have press badges, but that didn't, that didn't um, help us in a certain situation. Hmm. Um, but we were up there and the snaking up to get up there is, the, it, it, it's the weirdest scene ever because there's no men. Hmm. Nowhere. There's just women and children. And, and, and the prohibition is still are, still in force now. If, if you 100%. are a man, you, you can't you leave. leave. Of a certain age. Between, between eight, 18 and 60, you cannot leave. Right. No. And it's kind of a prohibition that's sort of unnecessary because nobody, no men want to leave. Hmm. You know, the guy that I was staying with, he's, he's was very, I, I mean, I, I, I've seen, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, that I saw someone have an emotional collapse in, over the period of, a, you know, five days or whatever it was, where he kept on saying to me, He's like, Michael, I'm an artist. I don't, I don't, I'm an artist. I don't, he like paints, he's an iconographer for, for mm -hmm. churches. Mm -hmm. And he's terrified. His, his kids have left. His wife is in the Carpathian Mountains. Mm. And, you know, he's just, he doesn't know what to do. And he's feels, he phys, physically felt, he, he vomited. Um, it's a true story. He vomited, like he's, he felt so sick by the approaching um, bombing because uh, our perfect timing is we get there right when the bombing starts moving, moving west and hitting about 60 kilometers north, you know, 30 kilometers south, 20 kilometers from the Polish border. And every night was an air raid. So I, the first two nights I slept through them because I drank so much moonshine. These guys make this fucking gasoline. It's disgusting. <laughs> Wait a second. That's illegal. The booze is banned. <laughs> it's no, illegal. It's not illegal. No, it's yeah. amazing. No, because you can't get booze because it's that's illegal now. So it's all um, mash. They got their little... Uh... It was crazy. Bathtub it was, distilleries. It was something like I've never tasted. But it's one of those things where the first shot is like, this is the most painful thing to ever, like, even come in proximity to my body. And the second one was like, okay, I get it. And the third one was like, this is fucking delicious. And <laughs> the fourth one, I don't remember anything. And I slept through, we all slept through two, two air raid alarms that are pretty loud. <laughs> and we didn't know, no recollection. Uh, we wake up and Oleg is like shaking, going, I don't, what the fuck, man? And I'm like, oh, sorry. But, was, uh, uh, but yeah, as that stuff came in, coming west, it's it's getting everyone really scared, and they had had a very kind of like like a lull at the train station in Lviv, and when we were there, th there was a line of it was the most depressing thing I've ever seen of people uh, not being able to get onto that last train to Warsaw. Mm, ouch! So, it's the last yeah. train of that the evening, evening. of the evening. Yeah. Mm, to be yeah. clear, and 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 to also to be clear, these young Polish kids that I've been hanging out with who are like. DJs, one's like an influencer, 
I mean, <laughs> I mean, literally, like he's like brand ambassador, insult influencer, all stuff. The greatest guys, they just like they have a moment. They're like, I'm driving to the border, and I'm gonna go. To, they just go to the train station, and within five seconds, their cars are full and they drive to the border. And they have the the siren on their car, and they skip the line, and they bring them as far as they can take them, and they have people that on the other side that take them in, you know. And when we went in the first time, that when the initial time that we were driving in with these guys, and the car, we could barely get our gearing because the car was stuffed full of insulin, mm. you know. How many? Did you how many? Did you steal guys. some for yourself? I was like, this is the best fucking car to be in for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if I like begin ambush, I'm surviving. My like. Kryptonite insulin. As on one hand, I know that you're probably not keeping up with all of the domestic going ons about the conflict, but I will say that the the burning question I imagine in most listeners' minds who are, you know dutifully watch Tucker Carlson every evening um, <laughs> is uh, how many of the U.S. supported mobile chemical weapons factories did you bump into <laughs> in your in your sojourn through ukraine i mean it was, it, was it more than 100 more than 5000 yeah i mean I, I i brought a few myself yeah uh, <laughs> we want to get this on you know sputnik or something uh yeah no it's amazing because it's not a conversation i mentioned this to somebody and they had no idea what i was talking about mm. and i was like yeah this is a separate conversation that's having and you know um you know cable news in america um, I, these people don't pay attention to that stuff. It didn't seem to me. Um, people didn't really pay attention. Didn't know. I, I mentioned Tucker Carlson and, and people like that a few times. Mm -hmm. you know, they have enough you know, Russian language propaganda that you know you can't get in Ukraine, obviously, at the moment. But um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's 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 an interesting thing because no one ever cared about this stuff or ever heard of it two weeks ago. But when you're trying to find um, some excuse to either um, shift the blame. It's a shift the blame is basically what it is of this like absolutely barbaric invasion. I mean, the barbarism is like, you mean, you know, a guy that used to work at Vice was killed the other day, um, shot in the neck. And the first thing that I saw when I looked on Twitter was a conversation about whether or not he should have been using an expired press badge. Um, and if people don't know this, press badges are, you, they're not they're, official. There's no, yeah. you make them yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a conversation that's very dangerous to do that, whatever. Like, what? yeah, fine, just have that conversation some other time. Because no, he was I using a press badge from the New York Times that it expired, that he was a freelancer and it expired. And he had won this uh, award for a documentary he'd done for Vice on the Chicago schools. I never worked with him. I didn't know him. The two people I'm with uh, had and yeah. did. Um, and, you know, he was shot in the neck. And then the next conversation I saw about that was like, well, how do you know it was a Ukrainian and not a Russian? Um I don't know, and I don't know anything about it, and I'm going to, you know, we'll wait and see. But um, it, there hasn't been a lot of examples of Ukrainians sort of raking um, checkpoints after people go through them. Um, and there are checkpoints everywhere in this. It's very exhausting uh, when you're driving around the country. Um, we went to, to a funeral um, about two hours north of the city today of a, sol a soldier that was killed in Donbass two days ago. And, I mean... Yeah. I mean, look at all the little towns. Every little town that you go by is a garrison. There's just fucking sandbags everywhere. There's, you know, the Panzer trap, you know, these, the, 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 the check things, you know, the little yeah. cross things. Little the things. Yeah. And, you know, um, a lot of spikes for, for tires and uh, things like that. And, you know, it's, it's like, it's it, this, it's really the interesting place to be in a way because 
you're seeing things move west and you're seeing how people are reacting. Um, you're seeing a mass of people again fleeing um, and you're seeing people like, you know, really. So we got we've been stopped a number of times and it's been pretty hairy. Um, we we got accreditation directly from the Ministry of Defense, which is a process. Um, but you meet people and everyone helps you. Somebody's brother is a friend. And then the next thing you know, some general is calling on your behalf. That's truly what happened. And um, you show them that and everybody backs off. But they're very, very, very worried about saboteurs and about people giving away locations. Um, and so that, that, that base that was hit that we were supposed to go to, um, the guys in the base told us a story right afterwards. And, you know, you don't trust these things or report these things. And I tweeted out a video that one of the guys from the base sent. Um, and I think it's the only thing I've tweeted since I've been here. But, but uh, they wanted it out there. They wanted us, the people to see what the, what the damage looked like. Um, but the original conversation, these guys were freaking out that's, that I don't know if this is true, but that um, a Ukrainian um, army officer had been arrested. And they said they found the information. They know he's a traitor. He's been giving away the, 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 the uh, coordinates because these bases are very well hidden. The one that we, one that we went to is was a <laughs> it was a process, too. And that was a long uh, either missile or, or missiles that came yeah. off of boats in the Baltic Sea, from what I understand. It was boats at first. Then they were surface to surface missiles from Belarus. And now it looks like it was long range bombers. That's what the last thing that I heard from them. But that stuff changes all the time. But, you know, I mean, there were 35 of them and they hit their target exactly. And, and, it's, you know, uh, and it's their precious supply of actual useful missiles, right? Because one of the things right, that yeah. the conflict has shown, if you believe some of the open source intelligence analysis out there, is that, you know, Putin thought he had 10,000 missiles, but he has closer to 1,000. I think he probably has more since he shot already close yeah. to 1,000. According to most people, yeah. but well, so, what yeah, he doesn't they, realize is that you don't change. I mean, you don't do a one-to-one -one <laughs> conversion of numbers in, in the field, too. I mean, I I would say my random back of the envelope, don't, not to be trusted calculation, <laughs> is if you have a hundred thousand troops and the other guys that whose home you're invading is a country of fierce nationalists and people who have a separate <laughs> religious tradition that is, I mean. The, there was a mural, I'll post it, uh, in, the, in the church, a beautiful big mural of Putin in hell. Um, mm. And next to it, the burning flags of the hammer and sickle and the swastika and saying that these totalitarian, totalitarian ideologies are in hell and the people that have the evil that has fucked up our country. And the priest told me about the whole thing. And it was this insanely beautiful kind of Byzantine Catholic church a couple hours north of, of Lviv. And, you know, you, it's it's 25,000 is 75,000 when you want your home to be protected. And these kids don't even know what the fuck they're doing, what they're fighting for. These kind of ragged 19 year old conscripts. And they're not all like that, but there's a lot of them. That's how you swell the numbers of these these forces. And also add to that the fact that there are a lot of people here that aren't from aren't from aren't, aren't Ukrainian. A lot of people here that aren't Ukrainian. And here now is defending Ukraine or? Defending Ukraine yeah. on the front. But I'm going to tell you something that I have confirmed that has not been reported. The very first shots of this war, it's hard to quantify exactly the first shots, but it was before the airport was bombed on that day. Uh, a couple of MiGs raked uh, a position, followed by a series of helicopters. None of those people were Ukrainian. There was an Albanian there who um, I spoke to, 
There were Americans there. Amazing. There were Georgians there. And they took down two helicopters. And they were shocked. They didn't expect it. And the guy was telling the stories. He showed me videos from it. It was fucking amazing. Like that these guys, the guy said, if anyone wants to send it to him, the guy was like, man, come on, man. I need a fucking GoPro for my helmet so I can show you some cool shit. And I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> this guy's an Albanian guy who uh, gave me a, a lecture on Enver Hosha, which was quite funny too. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of part of the story is that these people, this, this is a war of revenge for a lot of people for, for what happened during the Cold War. Let's, and what happened uh, after too? Be, yeah. Before we before we move on, Matt, because I'm, I'm not moving on. I'm moving oh. in. Oh, I was going to ask about what what you just said. One hand, you said there were Americans. Can you yes. can you clarify who are these? Do you have any idea who these people are? I imagine these are not official operatives of the U.S. government. No, they're not. They okay. are. They are people to be clear that have come that. here of their yes, one hundred percent. They've come here of their own accord. They are no. They're not active military. They're not AWOL. They are people that are very good at fighting and have a lot of experience doing so in Iraq and Afghanistan. And they wanted to be here. And uh, when mm. these are people that came before, before the war started, and they were out in the field. And these guys um, have been absorbed into the Ukrainian army. These are not freelance militias. These are people that are under the command of Ukrainians. They are at Ukrainian facilities. Um, they train uh, on their own. They train with Ukrainians. They, this is not a, a bunch of freelance uh, people. Zelensky, when he said, hey, "If you can grab a gun, come over," right? Hmm. I was at a Polish. I was a Polish. I was at the Polish um, um, presidential palace, and um, a minister said to me. Um, I asked him off. You know, it was not off the record, but it was just a sort of casual conversation. And he said to me, no, it's illegal. We don't want Polish people over there because it's against the law. I was in the car tonight and I saw uh, something came up and my Polish guy, who's the driver, uh, said, yeah, Andrzej Duda, the president of Poland, uh, reversed position and said, it's against the law. But if you want to go fight for Ukraine, he literally said, go, full stop, wow. go. At the same time today, Estonia became the first NATO country to affirm in parliament and a bill, I believe, that's going to be signed by the president, that they want a no-fly zone. Um, they're, they share a border with Ukraine. I mean, they share a border with Russia. They have a lot of Russian, Russian people, uh, speaking people in the East. They're very, very concerned about this. Um, you know, there's a big NATO exercise that starts, I think, tomorrow in Norway and Narvik. Um, and, you know, all the firepower will be shown uh, in the skies of Narvik and, and north of Norway. And they want it here. They don't want firing, you know, blanks and empty cartridges into the ocean to show the press. They, they want it here. And again, don't misunderstand that this is, I am affirming this belief myself. Um, you know, it changes a lot when you see a lot of the anguish that this stuff causes. Um, and it's, it's hard not to, to, to have a kind of immediate emotional reaction to it. But yeah, I'm just saying that's what, that's a natural, obvious thing when, when you're here is that what can you do to close the skies? I mean, running into the basement, I mean, we, we, had, we were trying to get into the car and we had to go into the basement with all these people. Um, and there's like, you know, 85 year old women, there's kids, there's like fat dachshunds. It's, it's just wild in, in a basement of a movie theater, like of, a, of, a, of an old movie theater that shows art films in, in Lviv and it's packed to the gills. 
for people waiting for the second siren that tells them they can come out and go yeah. up. Nothing's hitting the city, right? They're, they're hitting military targets around here. They're softening it up. Um, but what are you supposed to think? I mean, they did the same thing before uh, in the east and in Kiev, in Kharkiv, in those places. They hit the military facilities and they fucking ruined the cities. They just blew them up. Mm. And, you know, these guys, it's, it, at first you wanted to stop and say, I don't know if it's true. I don't know if this is war propaganda. But you talk to the people that are honest with you about this stuff. These guys fight like lions. They do. They really do. I mean, look at what's happened. Remember that 40-mile column? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that in the center of, of Kiev? Of course you haven't. I mean, it's astonishing. I have a photo of a, of a, of a restaurant. This is the most astonishing thing. Restaurant in, in the front, stuck on the door. I'll send you this picture. I'll put it on Instagram or something. Stuck on the door was a balance sheet. They rip off and change every day of the number of dead Russians, the number of helicopters that have been shot down, the number of armored personnel carriers that have been killed, have been taken off the battlefield, um, and planes shot down. And they, they, they update the numbers every day. I, it's remarkable. It's a, it's a remarkable... But then again, you know, Lviv, this, during this sunny day um, uh, yesterday, and it looked like a normal city, you know? It's one of the last... It's one of the last big cities, right, in Ukraine that very where that's true, west, where yeah. you can go to a, yeah. a, a allegedly a cafe. It strikes me, Moynihan, yeah, that definitely. like totally, in, it feels totally normal. Yeah, in 19 days, which is what it's been so far, um, yeah. you a lot things have taken place that took three or four years in Yugoslavia. Um, yes. you know, there's mm, 5 million displaced people almost now, um, almost 3 million refugees across the border, 2 million internally. I think throughout the Yugoslav war, that, that number was 4 million. Wow. Right? So we did that in 19 days. Um, that, that, that sense, the whole war it was, it was four. Yeah. Four, four and a half, something like that. Jeez. Uh, about 2 million, uh, got into mostly Europe and, and America and the other were internally displaced. Um, but also that sense uh, and, you know, we felt it being closer um, in uh, Prague and Bratislava and Budapest and such. Um, but of like, I, when you're there and even when you have proximity and people who, are, who are, are close to it, you can't believe that the world is sitting by while grandma is getting shot by a sniper yeah. on a hillside overlooking. I mean, it's the, the scale. And then one of the problems with whataboutism right now um, among many other problems with whataboutism is uh, I don't remember um, because maybe I've, I've scrubbed the memory or maybe that memory is kind of hard to find. I don't remember in the last 25 years of uh, the U.S. Uh, or U.S.-led force spending days and days and days uh, bombing residential places on purpose. Over and over and over again, like, oh, see that? That's a that's a an 18 story residential building. Let's get the tanks. I don't remember a lot of that. I mean, I'm sure that's happened, and it has happened. Mm -hmm. We've certainly drone so many weddings. We've done you know terrible things have have happened um, uh, in in our name. Some of them quite on purpose. Um, but like the relentlessness of we are going to stand outside, lay siege to cities, uh, some of which have no real serious military anything to speak of and we're just gonna like relentlessly bomb them and th what that does to the psychology not just of the people who were there who can't believe it 
and want to rip everyone's face off with their teeth, um, but also to the rest of the civilized world, uh, which is completely outraged um, at this point, you know, maybe yeah. not to the extent that they're producing the response exactly that Ukrainians want, which is understandable um, that there's going to be a gap there, um, but that it's intolerable. Like you can't believe that it's happening. And that's it's 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 hard to uh, take some of that. What about too seriously um, in that light? Like I just there isn't a direct analog that I can see, or maybe I'm just, uh, you know, my jingoistic no, I, blinders no, I, are on. I, I think it's really, it's a very hard thing when you don't, you look at the consequences of, of a broader conflict and, and, and you flinch and say, I don't want that, to respond to a Ukrainian who says, when I ask them, and I ask this question many, many times, everyone says, you know, if we close the skies, that's World War Three. And they say, this is World War III. How could this possibly get worse? What are they going to do that's worse? And, and that's the question. And, and like the nuke thing, it's like, come on. They, 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 nobody buys that. Um, I've, I didn't hear anyone talking about a fear of nuclear holocaust because there's a holocaust going on um, in, their, in their cities and in their countries. I mean, I, mean I, I, like, I literally saw something that w looked like it was out of a film of it was just the most heartbreaking thing at the air, at the uh, train station of just, you know, you know, if there's a man on the platform, he's there saying bye to his children. And it's just like, they don't know, mm. you know, most of the people don't know where they're going. That's the fucking crazy thing. They don't know where they're going. They, they go, I mean, in this, the Western station in Warsaw, there's just people doing like unbelievable work to try to, you know, help these people because, they pick them up at the, the, train, the train station. They bring them through their apartments, like literally just packing into apartments. I saw somebody it's fucking cold here, too. You know, someone I think who's connected with a Polish either think tank or government say, and this is now a week ago, so it's been overwhelmed since then. But something like, you know, we, we've absorbed at that point 500,000 refugees and no, none of them no, are no, in no. camps. They're no. all in apartments. They're in apartments. Yeah. Yeah. Can I you mean, speak? It, it's. Yeah, can yeah. you talk no, a little ahead, bit about ahead, like that? Yeah. Just that uh, the the Polish response because I think it's it's uh, it's um, it's amazing from afar uh, and interesting. It's, I mean, there's, I've never heard so much familial language. Brother nation, we used to be the same thing. I mean, Lviv used to be the what the third biggest city in the Pol in the Polish in Poland. You know, it's a Polish city. It was a German city. It's a Russian city. It's a Ukrainian yeah, people, city. People uh, don't tend to remember so much that of all of the countries that changed their borders a lot in World War II. And there was, and there was, there was little yeah. shavings on, on the century of period. But Poland is the big one. Poland and Ukraine uh, had the most severe kind of uh, territorial and Germany, obviously, um, uh, difference. And it's just right there, that part of that country. Of the world. When America made its colossal mistake in Iraq in the second Iraq war. There was conversations, this conversation all the time. Imagine this. George Bush was mad that they tried to kill his daddy. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Everyone said that all the time. Mm -hmm. That's what it was. Yeah. Now imagine that over 2000 years. This is a war about history. It's not a war. This is a war for the future about the past. Every single person brings up the past. You cannot avoid it. That church mural was saying, this is our past and Nazism 
communism and then Putin being sucked into the hellfires in this beautiful, huge mural, mural in this insanely beautiful church. Inside a church. Inside like a church. You're praying to Jesus Inside or wherever the Orthodox people like. Um, now, and, now imagine looking at that as I did this morning across the casket of a, of a, of a Ukrainian soldier who had been killed two days ago in Donbass or outside of Donbass. Uh, it's, it's like, it's framed, you know, you don't have, uh, you know, a picture of Osama bin Laden painted on the church wall uh, over the, the casket of a, a, a dead Marine or something that just doesn't happen because history is so present here. So the Polish people wanting to help Ukrainian people is like, the language is, you can understand, they can understand some of it, you know, it's like, it's, it's different. It's in Cyrillic and it's not, and you know, our, our Polish guys are like, huh, 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 you know, they're kind of getting it. But, you know, but this, they, they feel this, this common bond, particularly because they were both brutalized by Russians. The German thing is like, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the guy that I was with the other day, his grandfather was in a concentration camp and he was in Auschwitz and the guy is a Christian. Hmm. And I was like, oh, you know, people tell stories. Brilliant guy, amazing guy. And he's probably back fighting on the front today. And he showed me, he's like, well, let me show you. And he showed me the pictures that he had taken in his kitchen table of his, uh, his grandfather's uh, like, you know, mug shots at Auschwitz wearing striped pajamas. And he said he was one of the first guys in there that got his arm tattooed. And he's Christian and he was, he was caught by the Nazis. And, you know, he escaped and fought like hell. And, you know, that was in his mind, as he said to me, in fighting this battle, you know, of going out there and going from Poland to Ukraine. And this guy had served in Iraq. This guy had served in Afghanistan. And this guy was a fucking killer. I mean, everything about him, brilliant. The, po the Polish guy, because, you know, when you're translating these things, the guy is pretty well in English, but they stop and they want to have a more complex thought. And you have a Polish guy there. And I say, just say it in Polish and he can translate it. And he gives a translation and then you leave. And the Polish guy, who's very erudite, educated, young Polish person, speaks like almost flawless English, says, like, you didn't, you didn't understand like how eloquent this guy is in Polish. <laughs> he looks, he <laughs> looks like a one giant neck. He's this massive <laughs> guy. And, you know, he just sent me a message um, earlier. I just sent him back the President Duda statement, like, you know, that, uh, Polls go, and he's like, "I already fucking went, man. I'm ready. I was, he was, I was ready ages ago." And he, everyone had been there for 12 days, 15 days, and they're like, "I feel like I've been here forever." They'd all seen combat, and they're all ch champing at the bit to get back to see combat. Mm. And they're acknowledge that it's brutal, um, ex exceptionally brutal uh, uh, combat. And, and, you know, these, these guys, every time they talk to you, it's the Auschwitz thing, it's the Soviet thing, it's everything, you know? I mean, the I mean, German it's the, thing... I, it's the Warsaw, uh, it's the ghetto uprising, right? Like, well, it's the, the two, two uprisings, the ghetto uprising in 43, and then the actual the uprising of Poles in 44 Four, yeah. is ever-present, and that, that has been cited 50 times, too. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, who fought the hardest... Uh, you know, uh, at German and and Russian, but German occupation during World War II, uh, Poles and Ukrainians go straight to the head of the class. Yeah, like, yeah. They were hard ass about it. Also, Warsaw is a lovely city, but there's a two lane road, you know, two lanes on both sides coming into the city we're driving in. 
And there's a huge slab monument in the middle of it that says 1939. Nothing else. 1939. I mean, what happens? You know, the Nazis invade on the 1st of September. And what do the Soviets wait? 15, 16 days before they invade to the east? 1939. I mean, it's, 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 they have a kind of garrison mindset of it's always 1939. And these motherfuckers are getting closer to our border. Uh, no, that's not going to happen. There's an alliance that, you know, I said to one guy, you know, that, you know, we're talking about NATO. And he said, you know, Ukraine joining NATO, all this stuff. It's not a, it's not a conversation anyone's having, by the way. I've literally not heard anyone talk about NATO. Nobody. Only in the sense that why is NATO not helping us? Not about, you know, is it okay for Ukraine to join NATO? They're like, are you fucking kidding me? Look at what's happening to our country. Obviously it is. But... The NATO thing was interesting because, you know, I made the point to this guy. It's like, did you ever think that NATO would actually be a hindrance to fighting Russians? <laughs> it's hindering them. They want to fight. You know, they, they can't because of NATO. And NATO is the thing that is, you know, keeps them safe and prevents them from being sort of offensive in this case. Do I think that's a good idea? I don't want this thing to expand any further. It was very, very heartening when I saw that talks had continued for a couple of days, they seemed to have broken down again. And, you know, the, everyone says that this is not going anywhere at the moment. But if you have two days of talks, they've maybe backed off those or original demands, which was exactly what they had said as a reason to invade. You know, you have to remain neutral. We demand that. We, we are going to decide that for you. Um, you have to hand over this territory to us and, you know, presumably the government would fall. And, you know, that's not going to happen. That's just the, all that stuff is a non-starter. And so if they're having two days of conversation, it strikes me that maybe they're being a bit more flexible, considering a lot of Russians, including people in the military, are saying almost publicly sometimes that this has been a, a, a catastrophe. That's no longer can be considered propaganda or, did you or see, at least for it's, it's disasters. Did either of you see the uh, gal from Russian TV who did the anti-war sign? Yeah, yeah. She was an editor there. She was an editor there who came Bless behind, <laughs> bum rushed behind and did no war and the rest was in Cyrillic. And then she was carted off. And I think she's now been arrested. Um, and, arrested she, yeah. and she did an Instagram video as well explaining and like, I'm sorry that I... I uh, uh, contributed to the tissue of lies and propaganda, and this war is evil. And, and I, wow. uh, yeah, there's time. Uh, there's it's, time. Uh, it's I've seen amazing. I've seen a few uh, people, um, some some of whom are you know folks I'm, I'm friendly with, who tweeted things about the the protests that are taking place in in Russia itself, and they've specifically yeah. indicated that there are you know pro war and pro Russia um, protests that are taking place, which. Um, are, are from their standpoint not being covered sufficiently in the West, and it, it it seems pretty obvious. But perhaps one should just say so explicitly: like, there are risks associated with joining one of these sets of protests, and no risks associated with joining the other. Like in one instance, yeah. you lose your job right. and various other things. In the other instance, like again, you risk absolutely nothing. Um, and not only that is that, you know, the same thing is true in the United States is this is not some war propaganda, manufacturing consent, fucking tedious bullshit. If there's a protest that says, hey, don't log in this forest, it's not going to be covered in the national news. If you say, hey, don't log in this forest and a bunch of people come in and crack your fucking skulls mm -hmm. and put you in paddy wagons and disappear you, <laughs> it's going to cover it in the news. I mean, this is ridiculous to even think of that. And also, uh, 
I mean, what is more likely to be true and independent? People risking their freedom, their livelihoods to go out and protest, or people maybe possibly being coerced into going out because they work in federal agencies, they're in the military, whatever it might be, or there's some reward for doing it. You say, well, you don't know that. Well, I know one thing to be true, and I know that there's no reward for protesting against this stuff. I mean, and, there's, a, you know, there's a video of the woman uh, in, uh, in uh, Moscow who had the blank sign. And she was talking to a reporter, blank sign. Mm. And uh, and the reporter's like, what does this blank sign mean? And she's like, well, the blank sign means. <laughs> and like Lawrence Taylor arose from the dead and uh, and uh, gang tackled her and, and moved her off. Like that's that's where that is going. Oh, yeah, oh, we oh, don't. No, you, no, no, hold on. You're missing the better half of that. You saw what happened after that. No. A woman came up to the to the person filming and said, you don't. Why don't you film? protest their pro pro uh, war. Why don't you? And the, the, the guy said, no, I, I film anything. She said, well, why don't you film? I don't see you filming. She's, he said, I'll talk to anyone. I'll talk to you. Police came in and arrested her. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Right after. And, you know, I mean, this is not surprising. I mean, these are people going out there. They're bully boys. They go out there to arrest people that are in a certain place where protests happen. And they're talking I mean, to the, media. They're going to arrest them. It's not like uh, that Russia was starting from a particularly great place two months ago mm -hmm. um but the uh the backsliding the ratchet backwards is is staggering true. to watch yeah we haven't seen yes. this on this scale in a really long time it's uh i, I, I it's hard to process I, well i think one way of helping process it i would you know I'm, i think is a nomenclature change uh this is not an authoritarian regime this is a dictatorship period end of story mm. this is if you don't think there's a dictatorship you don't know what that is you know if Every private media now was off the air. You could say it was authoritarian because it had Rain TV, it had Echo Moscow, it had Novoya Gazette, et cetera. You pass a law that says if you, if you talk about this war in the wrong way, you go to jail for 15 years, right? I mean, you, you protest, you get tackled. There's no source of information. Nobody says things critical about the government unless it's sotto voce. What is that? It's a dictatorship, period. Yeah. Are there fair elections? No. The person who was popular that ran against Vladimir Putin and wanted to was poisoned and then put in prison. Is this a dictatorship or is it not a dictatorship? Yeah. I mean, if we want to have questions and conversations, we had one on this very podcast about how all three of us agree that RT should not be taken off the air, mm -hmm. uh, mostly because it's clown show shit and it's good to see what these idiots are saying. Um, and, and it's never good to take things off the air, period. It's just not. Um, we made that argument. You can hear us talking about it before, but this is not a nation that has any semblance of an independent media, an independent judiciary, independent elections, or the right to protest, etc. That is a dictatorship, period. The, the Ukrainian people, you can fight, you can talk about NATO, not NATO, what should you do? The answer to your fear of NATO, quote unquote, <laughs> ridiculous that is to invade a sovereign country of people that do not want to fight Russians. I, Ukraine didn't invade Russia. I'm sorry. There's very, very simple stuff here. But this is a dictatorship that is an aggressive, imperialist dictatorship. Everybody of good conscience should be against it. And if you're sitting around trying to find little arguments, little, well, what about this and what about that? Let's have those conversations. But also say before you have those conversations mm -hmm. that this is a monstrosity, mm -hmm. a, a moral calamity and something that has to be stopped. And the, I think that the 
Ukrainian people, uh, the Georgians that are helping, a Latvian member of parliament is out there fighting right now. Oh my he's God, given really? up his post. Yes, he's given up his post. He's out there fighting. A Canadian sniper who's well-known, famous sniper is lying up in the buildings of Kyiv, shooting people down right now. These people are fighting this fight and they deserve to be applauded for it. Because also the, uniquely uh, at risk. I mean, they also said if, you, if, you, if you're con as a, as a foreign fighter, you'll be treated as such, meaning the executed worst. in the battlefield. Mm -hmm. And everyone, everyone, everyone mentioned that to me, by the way, they all knew it. Mm -hmm. They all knew what would happen to them is not going to get some food rations and, you know, letters from the Red Cross and things like that. I meant to ask you, Michael, about the Americans that were there on the first bombing raid, if that is true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do they have a... I, I did actually confirm that, by the way. It is true. Yeah. Uh, did they have, or were they Ukrainians? Are they, or do they have some connection to the place? What was the motivation as far as you can tell? To the extent so I didn't know. talk to them directly, but I did talk to some other Americans, um, talk to some Brits, um, and talked to an American two days ago who was a Navy SEAL um, and was driving in and called us, um, my crew, and I ended up having a long conversation with him while he was barreling towards um, the border, or actually I think he was over the border at that point. A man of such like like uncommon eloquence and he and I said, you know, you know, the Nazis are going to come join the Nazis. And he's like, I have a black flag tattoo. <laughs> I, I'm I used to beat up Nazis. Don't give me that fucking bullshit. I swear to God, that was a literal conversation. And I was like, Dude, that's amazing. And uh, um, and nobody can be identified that because everybody there's a lot of people of that era that have black flag tattoos. But he left a cushy job and um you know, it was it was I, I actually tend to believe this story because a lot of people said that, you know, they have kids and they saw what was happening and it just really shook them in a certain way. And this guy had served um, and he said, I can be of service to people that are being invaded and I'd like to come help. It, it's 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 amazing. It's amazingly simple in a lot of ways. Are there. Um, People with ill, uh, you know, bad motivations. One hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That is true. I mean, there, there's, you know, the people say that they try desperately to weed them out. I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if they even have time to properly do that. They say that they vet them on multiple levels. Um, you know, there's some been some problematic things like the George, the the um, uh, Ukrainian government asking people to sign very long contracts, which I would advise them not to do, and some people walking away because of that. Um, and, you know, don't have people sign contracts. That's ridiculous. I mean, hopefully this ends not tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Was that? <laughs> NDAs. Yeah, I mean, NDAs they, they, they do, yeah, they could do that too. I mean, it's like, but it's, but, you know, why these guys do this is a pretty varied motivation. That's why I say, like, you know, I'm kind of interested in the former Soviet states, the Baltics, the, you know, people that have been occupied by Russians or fought them in the past is that, you know, I'm, you know, I showed you guys this. I'm going to hold it up right now. That, yeah. you know, that's the Georgian National Legion. And that's Georgia, not a friendly wolf there. That's, that's not a friendly wolf on that patch. <laughs> and the guy I said, I love that patch. He like tore it off and gave it to me. He's like, I got a bunch more. Don't worry about it. Take it. You know, they're just like, they're super accommodating and, and, and yeah, the guy that is leading that, that unit um, was arrested by Russia when he was 14 years old 
and put in a, a cell that was dug into the ground. And he said he stayed there for six days or something like that. And they put him in prison and then they let him out. But they let his, his father was in prison for six years. Uh, his father was fighting in Donbass when he was 72. He died last year. Oh, God. Yeah. Mm. I, not in battle. He died. He had diabetes. And I said, he's fighting in 72. Why? Because you fight Russians. And because they invaded your country, they took over Abkhazia and South Ossetia. Um, and I mean, they think that the Georgian Dream Party is a, is a stooge of Moscow and the rest of it. Um, I think it's a little much, but I think that, you know, they've been a little sympathetic in ways that the Saakashvili government probably wasn't. But they want to fight. And they can't get the Georgians to come over because the Georgians are preventing them from come over, coming over. They stopped them at the airport in Tbilisi. They tried to go over the border in Turkey. They stopped the bus of them there and sent them back. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a very delicate, obviously, uh, political thing for people in this neighborhood. But, you know, when everyone says, I'm not fucking going anywhere, I'm staying to fight for my home. And there's like, you know, a fat kid trying disassembling an AK-47 and trying a guy... You know, yelling at him, trying to tell him to put it back together, which is what I was watching right before I did this uh, tonight, um, which got got cut short because of an air raid siren. But um, those guys, also, they, they want to defend their homes and they'll do whatever the hell they want. They, they can't do so. And the people that are are coming from other countries um, around the kind of region want to defend their home, too. They just want to get a get a jump on it. They want to do it before before it's too late. Do I think it's going to be happen? No, I don't think I don't think the Russians. I mean, they can't even get to fucking Kiev yet. I mean, it's like, do I think they're going to invade Estonia? No, no. not not at the moment. But but I, I I do understand I do understand their concern. You know. Yeah. No. I would I would look for um, if they do anything in any other country, Moldova goes to the front of that line. I would imagine. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, at yeah. some point. Um, but no, I think I think we underestimate, and it's actually been kind of um, uh, heartwarming to watch the 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 sympathetic treatment among people, and and just the the kind of muscle memory of what happens when we see a large, you know, overwhelmingly powerful country invade a neighbor. It doesn't happen that often. It happened Iraq against no. Kuwait in 1990. Um, mm. Been reading. A bunch of histories that have to do with 1956, uh, the Hungarian mm -hmm. Revolution that was put down, um, and lots of people died. Uh, but it was like scrappy underdogs over here, and that had a huge effect on people. I mean, my parents are uh, 83, and um, you know, as teenagers, they watched that happen, and they remember all of it. James Mitchell's writing books, all these people writing books about it. It just like it, it impressed on people's minds, and I think that's a healthy uh, sense of revulsion that people have at this and it's not surprising that you would have some people um even outside of the region feel a sense of attraction when you see the uh the basic kind of decent and romantic i will rip your face off if you come to my country it's a wolverines thing right that's it's yeah. like it's it's a uh, um uh, yeah it, look and it, it just i mean you see it's hard because you know you're not here beforehand and you have to try to get get from people like what were you doing two weeks ago three weeks ago four weeks ago five weeks ago etc and you're on you know standing in a with a bunch of refugees and a guy in a uh, like yellow high-vis vest comes up and starts yelling at you in ukrainian i mean nobody's like really yelling at you and 
I, you know, it's not a common language, and you get Oleg to come over, and then they start animatedly talking to each other, and they say, give your papers. I mean, I've never taken my passport out so many times. You take your passport out everywhere. There's roadblocks, there's checks everywhere. They've gone down apparently in the past couple couple days, but it's it's you got to stop your car, you got to explain who you are, you got to show your papers. Um, they're very worried about Russian saboteurs and people like marking buildings, giving coordinates, etc. They've claimed to have caught people doing that already. Um, so it makes everybody a little jumpy. And the guy takes, you know, my passport, my press card, and um, my camera guy's passport and press card. And they're talking amongst themselves. And I, I, it's our guy, our translator said he thought that they were probably secret police guys that are, you know, around everywhere. They're, they, you know, who knows who's who. And randomly said, what were you doing in Crimea? To my camera guy. And he's like, huh? And he's translating it. And he's like, Crimea? And he's like, you were in the host Hotel Sebastopol in Crimea. What were you doing there? And he's getting increasingly angry. And my camera's like, I've, I've never been to fucking Crimea. I don't know what you're talking about. And then a, a, a kind of very hearty, shall we say, exchange takes place between Polish, Ukrainian, and we're just kind of sitting there stunned. And then he's like, all right, gives our stuff back and walks away. And it's Whoa. like a very tense, and he says, put your fucking cameras away, get the fuck out of here now. And then you put them down and you leave. I mean, it's just like, we had gotten everything we needed. We were fine. Everybody else was super helpful, but somebody pops up and says, what's going on? And that happens on the road, too, of people who have deputized themselves. You're wearing a pair of skinny jeans with a Kalashnikov slung around your, your, your shoulder saying, give me your papers. And they have no idea, like, like what? what? No, what? And it's just this confusion. And that's obviously going to end poorly and probably has in certain places. Why I imagine that story of um, the journalist, uh, documentary filmmaker being shot uh, after going through a checkpoint um, has probably you know, fueled some of that, that idea, but, but people are very, very jumpy. And, you know, Kiev is, a, I mean, I mean, uh, uh, Lviv is a peaceful, it's a peaceful city in the sense that, you know, there's a lot of people out. I mean, during the day it's, but there's a curfew and there's no alcohol. And then it's 10 o'clock and it's empty. And then the air raid siren go and, and, you know, it's just not normal. It, it's, it feels normal and they're not normal at the same time. Mm -hmm. So, and the, the, the worry is, of course, that Putin obviously wants the, the whole country um, and he's not going to get it, um, but he's going to go. Everyone's there's, again, another common thing was that he's going to go down um, blowing things up, everything he can. So that's that's taking place in Kharkiv, especially, you know. Um, Mariupol, this is it's completely ashes. You saw that probably drone footage today that that was released, I think, by the government. Um, just an absolute tragedy. And you're sitting there, and this is the thing, you sit there in Lviv. I don't understand why Lviv is not a more popular destination. I mean, it's 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 it kind of a weird place, I suppose. Um, but it is one of the most beautiful cities I've been to and has all the touches mm -hmm. of a European city. Um, and all the touches of a Ukrainian city, too. Like in a Polish city, it's, you know, Lviv, Lvov, Lemberg. I mean, the number of names it's had. But it is an absolute work of art as a city. And it's big and it's bustling. And you're like, this is like a city that people just kind of forgot about. And then you look at these these images uh, from, from 
Kiev, Kiev, whatever you want to say, Kharkiv and the rest of it. And you're like, this in, I don't know, four weeks could be a pile of stones. Mm -hmm. yeah. And there's nothing that can be done about it because they don't have the, the infrastructure, they don't have the material, and they don't have the planes to do anything about it. I don't, I don't know how long we're going to go this evening. <clears throat> and one hand, obviously, it's very, very late or early for you, depending on how we count. But uh, four thirty. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about something you said a moment ago, Welch. Where, and I guess you were both having this exchange. What you were talking about, just the ineptitude of the 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 military campaign being mm -hmm. prosecuted by the yeah. Russian state, and the likelihood or perhaps unlikelihood that this is going to go much further because of the way they're they're kind of getting their asses handed to them in Ukraine in important respects. Mm -hmm. This is not the cakewalk that anyone expected um, because the Russians just aren't aren't the military that anyone thought they might be. Um, does that change the calculus at all here? I mean, considering much of the, the conversation internationally about the kind of threat posed by Putin to the rest of Europe um, and the importance of the EU as a bulwark against potential aggression, if, if they can't actually get the job done, um, mm. Does that change the way that that we ought to be thinking about whether or not intervention makes sense here? And I suppose I could imagine how it, it could push someone in either one of the, those two directions. But for me, like the entire thing seems incredibly irrational just from a statecraft standpoint. I can't imagine how Vladimir Putin thinks this is a good idea. Um, and I can't imagine why you continue to do this rather than find some sort of negotiated peace that perhaps allows you to save a little bit of face, but bring an end to this thing that is causing you no end of trouble domestically and is ruinous for the Russian economy in every imaginable way. Like, the likelihood that this escalates quickly and turns into something absolutely awful if there's kind of a, a wider war. Um, is something that's like, it, it's hard for me to not be deeply concerned about that. He's making so many irrational yeah. decisions. At some point you're bombing, you're bombing a nuclear facility. That is, yeah. that is the use of nuclear weapons um, in, in yeah. essentially all, but literally using nuclear weapons. So what, what's, yeah. what, what do you say to that? The, the first thing being that perhaps the calculus yeah. is different now because of just the, the ineptitude here and the likelihood that this perhaps won't sprawl out into other places but then the other thing, which is it is very hard to handicap what happens here because so many of the yeah. decisions being made are completely irrational, it seems. Well, I would say this. I would say that it started rationally, right? And rationally doesn't mean morally. Mm -hmm. These are totally different yeah. concepts. The rational idea was that you cut the head off of the snake in, in Kiev, you overthrew the government, and then the rest of it would be a cakewalk. And is that going to happen? Obviously, that's that's stupid to be known now. I think it would probably be stupid. Then I thought it was going to be a lot easier, as I think everybody did for them. But, you know, we, I guess, in some ways, believe the Russian propaganda, but the, the power of their military. I mean, they have a, a lot of resources, but I don't know if they have a lot of good soldiers, basically. Um, so that's the rational part. But the rational part gives way to the irrational part when there's nowhere to move. Right. Mm -hmm. when you're getting just surrounded and getting picked off and to talk to these guys about the tactics they've been using. Uh, they're impressive. They have high, they have they have night vision kits mm -hmm. where those come from. Doesn't matter, but they got them and they will fucking stalk you at night. And that's what they've been doing during the day. They're just, you know, people they're 
laying waste to these cities, right? And so, yeah, there's there's a there's a point where you can't get can't get out of this. But it reminds me, in a way, of like the argument that always happened about the the atomic bomb. There was a um, bit, I think, it was in Harry Truman's memoirs, where he said Operation Olympic, the the proposed invasion of the Japanese islands, would have caused a million casualties. And all these historians say, no, that's not true. That's not true. That's way overdone. And that's true. It was way overdone. The estimates were way lower than that. But the job of the American president is to not lose one man. It's to lose only Japanese people and not any of his people, right? Now, there's the moral calculus of whether you drop an A-bomb and the rest of it, and that gets into that complicated thing. But your job as the president is to make sure that none of your people die. If when you say that, that they're losing, it's like they are losing, but they're killing so many of our people while they're losing. And we can't have any of that anymore. We need to save these people. There are you know, women and children being killed all the time. The, the, I was far outside the city today and I went to a funeral and there were supposed to be two caskets of two soldiers um, from that one town um, being laid to rest today. Uh, they couldn't get the other body out to get to get it there to be buried today. I don't know why, but they said, you know, it's it's tough. And Donbass is far away. Uh, I think the other one was killed in Kiev, actually. Um, and to see the pictures of all those dead, you know, in the, in, in the church, in, the, in the, the Peter and Paul church in the center of, center of Lviv, I mean, there's some of the most heartbreaking things I've ever seen inside of a, of, of a church, probably inside of anywhere, of posters of the children of, of, of soldiers who have been, been killed with quotes from them underneath. And it's just, it's just the worst thing I've ever seen. And, you know, that's what that's the calculation is that nobody on the ground is thinking in a geopolitical sense. They're just saying, stop this. And, you know, like, oh, the war propaganda, the no fly zone. It's like, you know, listen to these, you know, propagandists. And like that, I, I, the one thing I did see from this from the, the, the U.S. was that dickhead uh, Madison. What's his name? Cawthorn. Cawthorn. Or Cawthorn. Yeah. Saying that Zelensky's a thug, and um, it's so it's so, so bizarre that I don't, like it's almost as if you're walking onto the street and you're seeing a child being kicked in the face by a, a giant and saying, "Man, isn't that child a thug?" I mean, he probably started this match to have this overpowering person beat it to death. I mean, the idea that he is a thug is bizarre. To go back and all of a sudden become an expert on 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 very kind of granular Ukrainian politics, which yeah, it's been a wildly corrupt country since 1991, as has been Russia. Um, Russia has been more corrupt, I think, in a lot of ways because the scale of it is larger. But yes, it's it has had problems, but it has problems because of communism. Communism is the reason for all of these problems. If there was no communism, there would it would be France. You know, it would have the normal levels. It wouldn't be a, 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 an absolutely corrupt basket case that it was in 1991, 95, you know, through the wars that have happened of, you know, you know, even when it tried to declare independence in what, 1919 and was fought by the Bolsheviks. I mean, these people have been been brutalized by their neighbors for so long to not have sympathy for them is something bordering on psychosis to me. It's something bordering on. I have a domestic political agenda. I have a personality on Twitter. I am a contrarian. I have to take this side. And it's become 
a kind of addiction to the point of like nitpicking these weird things that Victoria Newland said and trying to uh, read the tea leaves as, you know, buildings of civilians sleeping or being blown up. I mean, you know, those rockets that hit the base that we were, we were trying to get to, it wasn't a coincidence as the, one of the commander guys said to me, it wasn't, a, that's not a coincidence. It hits at three 30 in the morning. All the guys are there mm. and they're all fucking sleeping. Mm. And that's why they killed so many of them. And that's the point. They're just trying, they're not trying to wipe out just the infrastructure. They're trying to wipe out the people that are there too. And those people now are people that sign up to defend their country and aren't even, you know, people that are military people as such. They've just been matriculated into, into this force. And they're just trying to figure out, like, as I was saying, how to assemble, disassemble uh, an AK-47 stupid gun that jams all the time and, you know, how to load it, how to stand when you're firing it and how to throw a grenade. I mean, I, this is what I'm watching people get, get trained in. It's just like, I, I hope you're showing them the proper double play turning uh, grenade throwing <laughs> form one hand. Yes. Keep yes. the elbow in the right in the right uh, spot. <laughs> what I worry about, uh, Camille, to answer your question or to address your question uh, is. <laughs> is there a that, difference? Yeah, because I, it's not an answer. It's just a, it's just a, a thing I would say. Okay. Um, I don't I don't have the confidence that it is the answer. Um, okay. Um, it seems to me that Putin's sense of an off ramp um, rests on anticipation of Western reaction to things. All right. It, you threaten nukes a bunch just to keep people still worried about um, you know escalating to a no-fly zone, just being too worried to, to do a no-fly zone outside of the country, which I am too, um, in the face of this horrific slaughter that a no-fly zone would stop. You have to confront the awfulness of your choices and be realistic about it, which a lot of people who call themselves realists are not in a lot of different directions. Um, but I think also the let's get a bunch of tanks and not even missiles anymore, right? Dumb bombs. Dumb bombs sent them to the yeah. uh, the apartment complexes. Now, there is, uh, I think, a knowledge that this is just untenable to the consciousness consciousness of what can be called the West or something, hmm. um, and so that that is going to hasten people's desire to create for the aggressor an off ramp. Oh, he needs an off ramp. We have to unhumiliate him enough uh, because we can't take it. And it's true. We can't. It's awful. To, it's, it, it's already unconscionable in a single city, um, let alone all the villages that we don't know the names of and we don't know what's happened on the ground. And it's pretty awful. They're taking mayors and putting bags on their head and, and spiriting them out. They're installing or trying to install unpopular Ukrainians as puppet Russian mayors. By the way, in that, in that town, we have the first Quisling of the war who yes. I very, very feel bad for um, uh, her for making that decision because it's the She's going to get hanged in a, in a square. She's going to get hanged. Yeah. She's the Quisling of, uh, I mean, these, these people do not fuck around with that stuff. And, you know, they, when I said that they thought that there was a, a military military official who, who was who was communicating with Russians and giving away the position, they wanted to shoot him that day. I mean, you know, I mean, it's like these are the guys that were on that base and they're like, you know, put a bullet in his head now and just get rid of him. I mean, they're, I, they're angry about that sort of thing. And it's like, well, they don't, no one wants to, like, no, I've ne I haven't heard anyone say, 
anything about the Geneva Conventions when Russian pilots are on on you know television uh, denouncing the war. Um, which, yeah, I don't think they should be doing, but it's been rather effective from their perspective. That one video but was was the, nuts. That one video in particular was nuts. Like a, and a, a week ago, yeah. The older guy, yeah, was 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 long and didn't yeah. seem uh, forced or anything like that. But to the to Matt's point, it, it, that's right. I mean, this is, you know, in the 1960s, they developed those grad rockets. I mean, they're 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 small-ish. I mean, 100 122 millimeter rounds that don't. They're, you can't steer them. I mean, you can steer them, but you can't pinpoint them. And that's what's been hitting these apartments. They've been, I mean, there's been drone footage of grads dumping rockets into towns and into Kiev, and I think into, into Kharkiv too. But it's like, I mean, that's what they're up against. Mm -hmm. This is not an, a military that's trying to minimize civilian casualties. And don't for a second tell me because civilians die that that's it's the same thing. Everybody does it the same way. It's not true. It's just I'm, it's just not true. And I, it, I, it think, not true. I think it's actually a hastening of of the off ramp because Putin doesn't have a lot of great choices right now. You're not going to take the country, the country, including a lot of Russian bits that you thought were going to like actually maybe applaud a little bit. Now you've radicalized them against you. There's just no way you're going to be able to maintain that force and have some kind of siege war of attrition and run that country. That's not going to happen. If he decides to do that, it's the worst Afghanistan in the history of Afghanistan's. Those people are going to stay and fight mm. and turn into absolute, you know, animals going after like hapless 19 year old Russian kids. It's never going to work. So what do you do? to speed up the process. You put the tank, you aim it at the apartment complex, and you hit fire. Um, and so, yes, it does reveal, Camille, that Putin's weak and that his armies aren't all that. Um, like, it, the military is considerably less than all that uh, among anyone who's been studying this. Like, you can see, hear their expressed surprise by how bad it is. I mean, they're like begging <laughs> Syrians, you know, let's get 6,000 Syrians. That's really going to change it. Like, a completely uh, uh, under motivated, like, what the fuck am I doing here type in guys. Freezing cold weather, too. In freezing <laughs> cold weather. It's all going to be terrible. Like, begging. <laughs> begging the red Chinese uh, to come and and, uh, and bail you out in any way, shape or form. I mean, it is uh, it, it's a self-inflicted humiliation and it cannot last. And he's lost a lot of senior generals um, uh, in addition yes. to that. So how do you make that thing go away fast? Um, you kill more civilians. That's how because you don't give a shit. Um, and I and I don't like to I'm not doing that to, to try to overly demonize uh, a, a person or a people or whatever, um, it's like, I don't know how you uh, escape that as a reality. There isn't any excuse for this. Mm -hmm. There isn't a, oh, but they were secretly hiding weapons there. Even this biological plant thing. I mean, it's not even, at least in the Iraq war, like that was kind of like, they, they led with that before they actually <laughs> I mean, isn't talked it about funny? it. It wasn't a post facto thing that you laundered through fucking yeah. Tulsi Gabbard. <laughs> I mean, Fuck. isn't it funny that the people who so frequently <laughs> cite the, the disaster of weapons of mass destruction are now trying to gin up a weapons of mass destruction excuse for the Russian invasion, which the with Russians flimsy are evidence. making. Yeah, it's I mean, very the Russians strange. aren't even making this. They they say this now, but in the first week of the war, did you hear anything about the Russians saying we were going after biological weapons labs? The I mean, only way to, to really stop absurd. biological weapons is to put missiles against apartment buildings 
in unrelated or, cities. Or nuclear plants. That's, that's <laughs> nuclear plants. That's going to get that done. What, what is the purpose funny. of the propaganda that is still being spun, though? Like when, when I hear Vladimir Putin say things about um, uh, Zelensky using human shields, well, it's mm-hmm. like human shields against uh, uh, against you. But the aggression is because of what, again? (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, it was the same thing with the maternity ward. Yeah. Yeah. It was the incredible thing. It was like the maternity ward that we bombed and blew up was actually no one there. There was no one there. It's like, wait, but why did you you do that? You acknowledge you bombed and blew up a maternity ward. You're now saying that there was no one there. Then it was crisis actors. Then, of course, all of a sudden, it was the neo-Nazi Azov battalion's headquarters. I mean, this shit changes every day. It's not convincing to Russians. It's certainly not convincing to, to, to Ukrainians. But, you know, but it does manage to get some traction here. Like, I've not seen really, people. Though. Well, I, I again, I'm seeing people like post things suggesting, yeah. oh, look, this person might have been a crisis actor because they were also a... It's deranged. Uh, uh, right. Uh, but these people should never influencer. be taken seriously again. How and many, they probably shouldn't have been taken seriously in the first place. How many of those people taken seriously. Who, that you are seeing uh, say this stuff are elected officials, representatives? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, other than Madison Cawthorn? Who, who Madison Cawthorn. I mean, and, and he should be hounded out of office as a charlatan. Um, yeah, should be. And the like, end, the end of that clip is the one where he talks, where he describes Ukraine as pushing woke propaganda. Yeah, which yeah. is just that's a deranged brain. Yeah, and somebody's been deranged by the culture wars of America, and tries to transpose it onto everything that's happening in the world. And to do that, like, just reveals and demonstrates a level of stupidity that should be avoided in government. Um, we have enough stupidity in government. That level is an extra level. I mean, that is so deranged and so demented. And to say, um, and by the way, this is not a very woke place. It is a very, very religious place. (laughs) Very, very religious. And I went to a church today that was absolutely packed with people that probably pulled the muscle from doing the sign of the cross so many times. I mean, I don't even know what woke propaganda would look like in in Ukraine. They don't have the context for it. It doesn't make sense. No, I know it's a gay rights haven. Um, I mean, I, trans I, did, stuff. I did see yeah, a, a video yeah. that, that uh, was bubbling up today of uh, Zelensky from a couple of years back being uh, harangued by a member of parliament or somebody in the parliament of like, ah, Soros and the gays and you're trying to make all the gays come and LGBT whatever. And Zelensky was pretty forceful of like, I'm the president. I don't pass laws. I sign them when they come to my desk. And also... What? Why do you want me to be angry at citizens who make different choices? That's wrong. And he was really, really good on it. But it wasn't yeah. in anything that you would describe as woke. It mm-hmm. was like just rights-based human tolerance. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I mean, it just—it doesn't yeah. add up. Like you get that, plus you get the narrative on the other side, which is that they won't allow the Africans to cross the border because they're super racist. And also, there's a war within a war if you're a trans man in or a trans woman in Ukraine because people dislike you because you're trans and there's nowhere you can hide. And also I mean, you can't Madison leave the country. Of the other it's side. like, what are you even talking about? Yeah. What's happening here? Yeah. It, it's, I mean, it's Madison Cawthorn on the other side. And by the way, it is very easy to say, um, you know, how this should go. If you don't, if you are sitting at home, you know, tweeting about, you know, trans issues or, racial issues or the 1619 project. I mean, I counted before I 
came here, the the number of Nicole Hannah-Jones tweets that were about Ukraine that didn't have race involved in them, all of them somehow. <laughs> I'm not kidding. They all somehow had got race into it. This, the border situation here is chaotic. Um, it is staffed by people that are, I mean, soldiers patrol borders. The best soldiers in the war, in Ukraine are not, not on the borders. borders right now. Yeah. No, they are they're somewhere else. Yeah. Thank God. And it's a chaotic situation. I mean, we were given a hard time. We had our passports disappear for a very long time as we just waited. And we were in, you know, with people with the Red Cross that were, you know, Red Cross affiliated. And <laughs> Red Cross is on their car. In a cross shape. Maybe. I mean, it, <laughs> Spray it, it, paint it, it, on the gray. I mean, look, it indicates that they have shit in the car that needs to get to the other side. Um, and they're going 150 miles an hour. It's wild. But, you know, the, it, despite that, like, this is stuff that needs to get in fast. And they're still going to give you a pretty hard time. And there's also a enormous in those early days. I mean, there's an enormous number of people trying to get over. Like they're keeping people. I saw one of the most amazing things I've ever seen last night was that crush of humanity. It was the, it was the hardest thing to watch of little kids and women. That's it. Trying to get onto that train. And somehow they managed to organize this in a way that didn't create a stampede. The reason it doesn't create a stampede is because there's no men there. Women and their <laughs> kids do not stampede. But they're doing this in this like precision way after like two weeks. The border seems to have gotten better. And I talked to the guys about this and they were like, it's pretty calm compared to what it was. And it wasn't calm to me, but it was chaotic. And it's to, to actually say like when someone is looking at this Ukraine, like Ukrainian you know, border guard or Polish border guard. It's like, you know, they're like village kids. They're not like, you know, they're kids that, you know, 17 years old and they're into the army or something and see somebody from Ethiopia and they're like, what? We're trying to get women and children out from the Eastern. So like, who are you? To ask that question is not, is not an act of racial aggression. And it is also totally irrelevant. If any, if any of them had died, if any of them had been stuck there and not gotten out, if they had been forced to do something, I would say that's not irrelevant, but that would suck. But I imagine if there was an enormous number of people outflowing from, you know, I don't know, Pakistan over the border and I was studying there and I was this like white face and I'm on Pakistanis trying to get on a train, I think pro someone probably would say something to me. I'm just saying that I imagine that would happen. And in a perfect world, that stuff wouldn't happen. Everybody traded equally, et cetera. But in this kind of fog of world, nobody knows what's going on two seconds away. You know, I took a video tonight when we were coming up and we were trying to get out of there um, as because, you know, the second siren has to go off so you can leave. And, you know, you're in a totally pitch black room in this theater and there's one screen on and all you see is people's phones and these guys with with Kalashnikovs and trying to figure out if something's being hit. Hmm. And, and people are saying things. This is happening. This is happening. Mm -hmm. Not mm -hmm. in this instance. I didn't I didn't hear it. we were just trying to get out of there. But I'd seen this before. And, you know, the fog of war is obviously very real. And like I, I just I mean, you have to consider that the, this is chaos that people are not used to. And, you know, you have 18 year olds manning checkpoints who have never fired a weapon. You know, I mean, it's 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 wild, but but they've been forced in this situation. They don't want to be in this situation, and it's entirely the fault of their neighbor and one man in the Kremlin. That is what's happening. 
period, if you want to go back and have ex post facto justifications of why Ukraine didn't act perfectly in one time, think about the next question. The next question is, does that deserve, should it precipitate a violent invasion that kills thousands of people, including babies, women, you know, toddlers, 10 year olds, soldiers? Like, is that is that because for a NATO debate, you think that's OK? You do? All right. Well, you're fucked up and you need some help because that's not OK. And that's not the way these things should be resolved. Ukraine has avoided um, um, being a member of NATO, despite the fact that a lot of people wanted to be for, what, 30 years now, something like that. When the first opportunity was, what, 91, I guess. I'm you know trying to remember here, but a long time. And they have not invaded their neighbor, Russia, because they're not idiots. And the Russians have invaded them and they are idiots and they're being slaughtered too. And that's the thing, as Zelensky said, we'll pay you uh, if you don't want to die. I think he said that today. We'll give you money, Russian soldiers come here and you won't die. But if you remain where you are, you're going to die. Hmm. And that has happened. 15,000 people were killed in the Afghanistan war when the Soviets invaded Afghanistan in 1979. That precipitated the disastrous end of Mikhail Gorbachev's career. He pulled the troops out, I think, in 88 with his tail between his legs. That was a big thing. That was a when boys started coming in bugs. I don't believe the Ukrainian numbers. But if those numbers are true, they're matching that already in three weeks. And it's, it took the, you know, the 10 year thing that, you know, had Olympic boycotts and the fall of the Soviet Union was precipitated in some way by this. It helped out in a lot of ways. I mean, this is a disaster. This is a real disaster for them. And if one man has to, quote, save face in in the process of like making burnishing his legacy, another, you know, school is hit full of, you know, people sheltering. It's unconscionable. Hmm. It's absolutely unconscionable. And, you know, I'll say I'm not radicalized by this, by talking to people about it, but I felt this way before. And I just I think that it's a it's a, you know, you know, it's a place that you want to get out of. Because there's no gas anywhere. There's like gas lines everywhere. There's you have to, there's a, a maximum of 20 liters you can do, but people go to different stations. So it's not really well enforced. But there's gas lines in a place where there's still a lot of food and all that stuff. But it's coming, you know, and you feel that and you want to get out because, you know, I don't have any interest in going to the front. And that's not what I do. And I don't find any value. And that's military historians. Street by street stuff is like no one, you know, who watches anything that I do is going to have any interest in that. Um, but I, I you still want to get out because it's like you feel like but at the same time, you don't want to leave. And I think that was the uniform opinion of everybody that I was with. Mm. Really? I mean, I, I was shocked that it was like, you know, I haven't slept and I'm, you know, I haven't showered. And then I look at these people at the train station. And I'm like, this is what is translated by people as like white privilege. Like you have, oh, that's your privilege. Like mm -hmm. It's like, no, no, mm -hmm. you come down to earth when you're like, good Lord, I can leave. I'm in a very nice hotel in Warsaw because Warsaw's cheap and everything is plentiful and everyone's super friendly and the girls are beautiful and like, what a perfect place. right? But I have that luxury. And the second you're out there and I took, I got so fucking mad at one thing. There was a person on the platform. I keep on going back to last night because it was really impactful. 
um, who was a journal, a photojournalist, you had a fucking flak jacket on. I mean, first of all, stop it. I mean, stop play acting, okay? You're in a place that has not been bombed. Take your fucking flak jacket off. Second of all, nobody else has a flak jacket on. So if they get hit, all the kids die. And this fucking brave photographer is going to sustain. Like, fuck you. Stop doing that. Two, two people, actually. Um, the other guy actually had a, had, a, had a good reason for it because he was trying to get on the train because he was documenting it. And the only way a man who's 25 years old is not welcome on that train. So if you have a press <laughs> vest on, that's easier. So I was like, show that shit. Don't go and drink their tea that is there. They're handing out because you're hot and rub your hands like this. For some reason, don't start a glove company in Ukraine. Nobody wears them. I don't understand this. There was like children, women. Nobody was wearing a pair of gloves. And it's like the, everything. The reason you don't want to go in some ways it's like you feel guilty. It's like these are people that have absolutely nothing in, in, in the true in the true sense that they don't know where they're going. It's a, it's a train to nowhere. As long as it gets to Warsaw, they get off and they're like, OK, what's next? The lucky ones have relatives in like France, met somebody who was sending their, their family to Denmark. Um, Russian speaking guy was sending his family to Denmark. He was staying, staying put because he had to. Um, and. But what about these poor people? The, the, my translator said he could tell, you know, we can tell this in America, too. He could tell by the way they were dressed that they were they were um, poor people. Mm. You could tell by their accents they were poor people. Sure. They don't have relatives in France. They don't have relatives in Denmark. But the They're Europeans, going to Warsaw. The Europeans, the Poles, but also the Germans, the Czechs, the Slovaks, the Hungarians, the Romanians, the Moldovans are responding magnificently. Like the scenes from those yeah. train stations are stunning and, and just genuinely moving, I think. Yeah, and it's we're not the front line in this, um, but yeah. the Americans should take more. Um, and, you know, it's like I was talking about the difference when, when I did that kind of solo thing when I was annoyed enough to just put a microphone on the record. Sorry about that. And, and also, sorry about blathering. I'm very tired. And, and uh, it's fine. We're, and, we're squeezing. I, and, and, you know, none of us have talked about anything. We, we get in the car and then it's just like joking about bullshit. Um, and we haven't really kind of unloaded all this stuff or decompressed or downloaded, whatever you want to say. Mm. Um, so this is all like fresh in my mind. And like, I just like, it's kind of bugging me in some senses. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's like the difference between you know, a refugee and a migrant. I mean, migrants are a different kettle of fish. I mean, you have that that's that's, you know, everything that Europe has gone through, whether whether it's integration, whether it's, you know, the rise of far right parties, all the things that happen as a result of that. And again, as I said before, you know, when I did that other when I was talking about this before is that I don't I'm not taking taking a position on this, but the Ukrainians want to go home. They don't. They're not looking for a better life or a more peaceful life. They that 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 is like a, one of constant warfare. This is surprising to people. Yes, it happened in 2014, and yes, there's been consistent fighting. But these are people coming from places, most of them that have not seen that, and who have and all just shocking. split their families. They've all just split and their families. Yes, yes. I mean, to see people leaving their one years, one year olds, and two year olds is shattering to mm. watch. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah. Uh, Moynihan, we're going to get you uh, in the United States pretty soon. I think so. I'm not sure. I don't have a return ticket yet, but I've got some stuff to uh, today. I'm meeting um, some people that are that are shipping out from here. From uh, um, well, I can say this because it's not giving anything away. Um, which are who are, who are exceptionally brave, and I haven't met them, but the communications have been established, and you know, people, my producer has been talking to them and everything. But um, um, uh, people from Belarus. Um, Belarus is an occupied country. It is occupied by its own dictator, who is Belarusian. I consider this an occupation because uh, Lukashenko is, is is one of the worst um, people, actors in the region. Um, I have talked about my friends from the Belarus Free Theater, read their story. Um, they've been jailed. They've been beaten. They've told me these stories. I have a tape of it. I should put it up sometime um, that is pretty harrowing of what, what these people have had to go through. They protested. A, a rigged election. They were arrested and beaten then too. And I can recommend one thing for people if they want to see something um, terrific, really a master's class in how to be a journalist and how to interview people. The BBC's correspondent in Russia, uh, Steve Rosenberg, I think his name is, I have to remember, I think it's Steve Rosenberg, interviewed Lukashenko in the palace, about 25 minute interview. Watch it. It's fucking unbelievable. This guy is a little kind of small guy who speaks Russian perfectly. He went and studied there when he was in, in college. And he just is relentless on mm. Lukashenko. Lukashenko gets up out of his chair, points out of him. And he's like, it's a wild, wild interview that gives you an exact, you know, exactly. I mean, this it's exactly who he is as a person and who he's always been. I mean, 60 Minutes did a piece on him. I, I seem to remember from like the 90s, early 90s about uh, journalists disappearing. Um, after the fall of the Soviet Union and, and Belarus. And, you know, somebody, I saw somebody tweeting that, you know, there are two countries that are fighting each other. It's not two countries. Belarus is a country. And Belarus is, is sent troops. Chechnya is, you know, some, actually it's funny, a, a listener took issue with me saying Chechnya was a separate country, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> the, it, it's Chechnya. Um, but, you know, these people, uh, Bel the Belarusians are, are in a, in a terrible situation in the same way Russians are, um, who, those who believe in, in, uh, in Svoboda, the, who believe in freedom and, 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 and desperately want it. And there's a lot of those people in a lot of these countries and it's, it's, it's incredibly depressing. Yeah. And I'm probably making no sense now, but I'm, I'm just, no, you're, still, you're, you're still making plenty of sense, but we should, we should probably wrap this up. Let's and wrap you, it. you should, you should hurry up, bring your ass home. Um, and yeah, I, yeah, yeah, soon I'm, I'm, I'm coming in soon and, um, and, uh, I'm excited to, uh, put this piece together just because, you know, I, I think it's going to be, we've met so many just, mm. you know, astonishing, like really astonishing people, like people like, you know, the types of people that you interview as a journalist and you're like, could I ever be that person? Mm. And yeah. you're like, I yeah, don't yeah. even know that I could. Yeah. I don't know if I could be that person. Yeah. And it's not like, no, could I be that in America? It's like, could I just ever be that person in any situation? I'm like, shit, I don't know if that's in my DNA. I wish it was, you know, I, I wish it was, but I don't know if it is because <laughs> yeah. these guys are, these guys are, guys are pretty special. So. Have you said where and when this thing might materialize? Do you have a sense yet? I, I do, but I'm going to hold off just because I, okay. I, I don't want to jinx it. And they'll be like, yeah, I don't like it. Let's throw it in the garbage. <laughs> it's not going to be thrown in the garbage. But it's where it's going to be, um, uh, it'll be on TV. And, and, stay tuned. Um, and stay tuned. Um, yeah. But yeah. Okay. So. Good. Well, let's, let's, let's wrap this up. 
hurry up, get home safe. Talks for an hour and a half. That's great. That's ridiculous. I mean, yeah. If, if it we was were, stupid, I'm sorry. This is not stupid. <laughs> I, I truly am. I'm sorry. It's not stupid. If we were in a bar debriefing, it would have sounded like this because we would have asked you questions. Yeah. yeah, but it would have an Nothing interesting has happened in Camille's life <laughs> over the last two weeks. Well, I mean, apart from not sleeping, just at all. Like, I'm actually, I'm, yeah. I'm getting up from here. I'm going to go change a diaper filled with uh, shit and then continue to stay awake because why bother filled going with love to sleep? Camille. Yeah. I mean, look, he's, he's the best thing. It's remarkable. It's really cool. Yeah. At some point in my my adult life, I thought I'd have no kids, and now I have I have two, and they're both spectacular and filled with that? magic. Um, when he wasn't I, I listening least, to me, yes, this is true. I at least was very comfortable with the possibility that I wouldn't have any kids. I would I would hear Matt Welch talk about his two children, and and Kennedy would talk about her two children, and you occasionally, when and uh, derelict father <laughs> you are, would sometimes mention. I, I think I have a daughter five i don't know they're out there yeah. and and i would always think you know I think my kid's name is steve that's I'm not sure. is that right? stevia yeah, Steve, yeah Steve, you know, stevia. to me it's just like that sounds nice but i'm i'm globe trotting and i'm doing other things i'm busy i have a dog it's the same thing you know how um, bad you're making me feel thing. about this because i was supposed to go away with levia and the, this pushed it so yeah so well, you this, can is, still, this is this is come home in one crime. piece come home in one piece and you can still do that um, but no, it's, it's and the what, best thing. It's what, it's what we're here for. I, 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 I am convinced of that. It gives, it gives life a whole different meaning. And, um, yeah, it's, it's great. I'd, I'd forgotten what it was like at this very early stage. And there's a weird contrast where he is so new and so tiny and Leah mm. is suddenly by contrast, like yeah. huge, like she seems like an adult woman. Like we have full on conversations and it's just... It's nice to be able to do this again um, and to relive some of that craziness, which I just didn't remember at all, perhaps because I was in a fugue state. So, but here and I am. I, and, and I told you that when you sent that video. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'll explain the video. Like, no, I didn't explain. I just I'm looking on my phone and uh -huh. explained it. And literally, even the Ukrainian uh, was like cracking up <laughs> laughing because Camille, you were watching uh, the Beatles documentary, right? No. So, uh, you know, what my project with my children is I don't want to I want to make them free thinkers to an extent, but I, I propagandize to them around music and culture. And I'm trying my best to introduce my daughter to good things and everything I introduce her to. She doesn't like, but she has curated this playlist <laughs> And it's a lot of music that I've introduced her to. And in other cases, we're like walking through a store and she'll say, daddy, add that to my playlist. And I'm like, oh. okay, <laughs> fine. Um, so, and, and it's this mix eclectic tape. mix of all sorts of stuff. It's Kanye West, like stuff from his do album. It's um, some most deaf, a lot of Donny Hathaway, tons of Michael Jackson. She loves everything in his oeuvre, especially baby mm -hmm. kid, Michael Jackson. Um, but She's I introduced, right. I let her watch what the Super Bowl performance from, what is it, 80, 93, maybe when Michael Jackson did a Super Bowl performance. I let her watch that yesterday. She's like, who's that man? Where is Michael Jackson? Um, it's like, yeah, he looked a little different, baby. <laughs> That's a very I have good to, question. I have to explain yeah. to you. But I, I was playing her some Beatles stuff. Blink it. And I hadn't played much Beatles for her. And gosh, what, what was it that, that we first played? Um, oh, Hey Jude. And Leah yeah. just, she hears this song and she's immediately entranced and she starts like singing the chorus. And then she's like interrogating me. Well, who is Jude? Why is he mm -hmm. sad? 
And why are they so determined to make him happy? And every song is this way. They're they're on they're on top of a building and they're giving this grand historic performance. And she's she's taken in by it and she thinks it's great. But she's like, well, why are they on top of the building? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it yeah. doesn't seem safe. That's wrong. We're still asking that Rational. question. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's a but, narc. But the performance against, is great. It's against building codes. <laughs> and many Beatles <laughs> tracks have been added to uh, to her playlist. Just um, tell her so, that you know. Yeah. Paul didn't really care about Jude. He just wanted to use it as a weapon against John. Against, he against, against his father. Yeah, so I, will I, I put that your on. Five-year-old. Yeah. I put that video on that you sent. Yeah. And every, everyone, everyone around watching just heard hey that song, yeah. pl- song playing and they just heard, who's Jude? And then it's like, <laughs> wait, who's Jude? And I was like, I never actually thought that, that question. That's a really good question. <laughs> who's Jude? <laughs> she wants to know. Oh, she's a darling. They they asked the most <laughs> penetrating question. The other day she asked yeah. something about like, uh, I think I maybe mentioned that she'd asked me a question about infinity and whether it was invisible. And then she asked me a question, which it, it kind of is, which is sort did of remarkable go, you that you're ca- thinking you about it so deeply. Did you count your edibles and see if she'd gotten one of them? <laughs> you no, have to. If, she, if she was, I'd give her more because that's great. <laughs> it's uh, you have stuff. to uh, buy her the book uh, Infinity and Me. Uh, infinity and it's me a, infinity okay. and me it's a it's a lovely book it's one of the best children's books both my daughters are just you know absolutely what you, adored you, it. i think you've mentioned that to me twice now yeah. and i i am ordering it right now i, I nearly With ordered a, it. a polish illustrator as a matter oh, of fact oh really good. yeah that's why it's good oh look um amazon has a ukrainian flag at the top of the website now donate now i, I don't know why like some of this is a little that. annoying for me just just some hey, of it should be I mean, no, I, I, is. I, mean, I, I am, you know, I've got my feelings about it, but there's something about it that reminds me of, of the summer of 2020 with the Black Lives Matter stuff and how everyone did the thing. Like I've got a neighbor sure. who has the Black Lives Matter thing in her window and also now has, uh, or in her yard and now has a Ukrainian flag in her window. And I imagine that she's, she's put exactly the same amount of thought into doing, <laughs> <laughs> taking both actions. And there's something about it that's just like, eh. Like what's next? That's why you have to replace it with anything. a fuck Putin uh, flag or a yeah. sign. That, that, like, that um, actually more, would be better. I could respect that more. That's, yeah, because yeah, that, that's more affirmative. That's actually taking like a very firm position rather yeah. than just the flag. But the stuff, uh, I saw people like raising money and all this stuff. And I always wonder like, you know, or, or sending um, stuff over. And it gets here. Mm-hmm. You see boxes, like it's crazy how much stuff is at the train stations uh, and the the border crossings. And, you know, I mean, what's his name? Jose Andres, like, yeah, I mean, geez, got to give that guy a lot of credit. I mean, he, what's he, he's those direct restaurants in DC is like world something kitchen or whatever. They're doing yeah. like incredible work. And there was one of them at the border crossing. They were just, yeah, there I was mean, like a huge tent and they were doing stuff there. He Nancy had like a, he had like that- a jumbo jet coming in from, like of stuff or like some big plane into I don't know it was like Krakow or something I can't remember but but it was pretty it's crazy. basically every border crossing uh, and train station or that he's trying to do which is I incredible. mean it, it's great the other thing is and I know we have certain listeners that will, will who ears will prick up at this they need military stuff too and that's like not even I'm not saying weapons but you know one person asked me if you could get scopes. Uh, and they're like, you're American. You guys are fucking crazy and have guns everywhere. And I'm like, I don't know how to get you scopes. I mean, don't I have to have an export license for that? What am I, an arms dealer now? I'm like, I, but it's really, it's like that desperate thing. It's like, we need these specific scopes. And like, there's like a link. It's like, look at this website. 
and sends the link and is like, these are like these grips and like all this stuff. None of them are guns. It's just they're like, they're things that they need. Gun helpers. Um, Gun helpers is what they're called in the business, I guess. And, uh, you know, there is also a place that you can donate directly to the, the Ukrainian military. They do that on their website um, and uh, you can donate directly to them. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 pretty impressive the, how the distribution happens. And just just tonight, uh, it was pretty, you know, we came back very late. We saw a bunch of convoys of trucks uh, coming to the border. They were actually surrounded by police cars. Um, giving ex escorts, and I didn't know those big trucks if they were. Uh, some of them were were uh, was was fuel, obviously, but there's some were just you know big semi trucks, and uh, they're hauling stuff out there all night. I don't know what it is, but it, the, the the stakes were raised quite a bit with this um, announcement that if w weapons being are being transferred, they they will be targeted, um, which mm -hmm. shouldn't surprise anyone. But they announced that I think for a purpose. So, um, because, you know, Western Europe is fighting its fight in a, in, in the classic Cold War proxy way, and they're giving a lot of stuff. I mean, when the Swedes and the Swiss are giving anti-tank weapons. <laughs> That's crazy. Ooh, you pissing people off at that point, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, anyway. Now, all right. Well, Moynihan, hurry back. All right. Everybody else, bye. 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 We know of new methods of attack. Trojan Hawk.